It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, it's 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, which means we are live uh, and ready to go. So I have uh, two wonderful guests lined up today. You know, in case this is the first time that you happen to be tuning in, I give you a little rundown like I always do each show kind of how the show works and why it, why it exists. So uh, I have the, uh, the privilege of meeting uh, all sorts of inspiring leaders and cool people at different events and conferences and on LinkedIn or wherever it may be. And so I generally like to ask those types of people that I run into a lot of questions and find out what makes them tick and what cool things they might be working on or doing uh, to improve talent and to be more talented themselves. So this show is really designed to give you that opportunity to listen on the conversation that i probably would have already had with somebody um and hopefully then by listening in you can pick up something you can use in your own career uh something that might interest you maybe a book that you might want to check out uh so that's kind of goes beyond just a conversation between two people we can hopefully share it with everybody else so as i mentioned uh talent talk is live every tuesday 1 p.m pacific standard time but most of you actually kind of come in later on, so we get a handful of you here live, but then most people actually find us through the podcast that we take this live show, remove all my ums and bums and uh, misspeaks, and then we, we turn to a podcast and we upload that into iTunes. You can also hear it on iHeartRadio. And so for the last several years, we've been averaging over 10,000 people a day or downloading one of our podcast feeds. That's millions of downloads. We just It's overwhelming, and we're really appreciative of everyone who's listening and checking out a show and then another show and then another show. And uh, just a big thank you to everyone who's being a part of the show on a regular basis. Uh, last but not least, before I get to my guests, if you have a question, we love to have the interaction. You can submit your questions via Twitter by putting them in. Um, make sure you add at PeopleG2. That's kind of the minimum. Uh, we really prefer you also add that hashtag talent talk. That way my producer Mike can find the question. He can send it over to me while we're talking. Or if it's after the show, um, any of us or my guests, we can try to answer the question um, You know, a- as it uh, happens in, in real time for you as you find the show. So. My guests today are Val Brown, uh, founder of Visual Bridge Communication. And then after the commercial break, we'll bring in Paul Claxton. He's the CEO and founder of Reciprocity ROI LLC. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest. Uh, Val, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh, and, of course, uh, your company, Visual Bridge Communication. Well, you know, my journey started actually more than 30 years ago. Um, I've been very fortunate to be a television producer, a director, and a writer. And um, 
picked up an Emmy along the way, which was really a great honor. And when I first started in television, my whole goal was to be in front of the camera. And that didn't last very long. Uh, once I discovered the magic of producing and directing and saw how I could use so many more of my skills, um, I made the switch. And back in the day when I first started, I, I worked in cable when cable wasn't cool. Uh, the, the gentleman that I worked for was actually known as the father of cable television. And uh, he gave people like Ted Turner their start. And he also gave us a lot of opportunities to learn and grow. It was a, a really exciting business to be in. It was very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, the, the networks really were the dominant delivery system for television back then. So there was a lot of risk-taking and we, uh, we were pioneers in a lot of ways, I think, and that was uh, a, a really formative time for me as far as learning about leadership. I, I ran a couple of television stations where I produced news, made sports, public affairs, and also produced lots of cable commercials and infomercials. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I really loved the work, and I learned a lot about leadership and communication and, and team building, and I think one of the things that a lot of people don't know about being a television producer or director is that you are working with a diverse team, a lot of creative um, talent there, and, and your job is really to get everybody across the finish line on time, on budget, and at the same time, you know, you serve as a confidant and cheerleader, coach, truth teller. It's a, it's a pretty um, all-encompassing job, and one of the things that I uh, came up I am against, I guess, a lot, in my work. Well, there's two things. One was people came through the station doors and they always had stories to tell but really didn't know how to tell them or they had a vision to share and they just didn't know how to express it. And so we spent a lot of time through interviewing, helping people get their message out. The second thing that happened a lot was I found myself getting called into organizations or departments or a client would come in and they'd say, you know, can you write a script? Can you create a video to fix something? Whether it's something wrong in the organization or a conflict that was going on. And, and intuitively, I just knew that even though I loved to write and I thought I was a pretty decent writer, there was a new video that I was going to create that would fix what was going on there. And it felt to me that it was, you know, it was something structural or it was a, a process or something to do with the culture. And what happened, because of that disconnect, I, I could see it, but I couldn't really articulate it. Um, it led me to do my grad work in organization development, which focuses on expanding the knowledge and effectiveness of people to uh, create successful organizations and um, you know, be able to work through change and, and, and getting better performance. So by doing that work gave me the lens and the language and the skills that I was missing so that I could articulate what I saw and then help create a strategy to address the real issue. So visual bridge came about when I combined those skills with my visual storytelling and I now help companies tap into the power of visual storytelling and I show them how to use visuals and video and other rich media to market their brand as well as teaching them how to uh, look and feel their best in front of the camera because I find that you know, everybody's using video today and it can be, it can be pretty intimidating. So once we find your story, we get your visuals online, um, we work with you to look and feel great on camera. Well, you've said quite a lot there, so when I want give, to give you a chance to take a breath. Um, it's, it's kind of a, 
Lots of breakdown. Uh, really interesting kind of where you got your start. Uh, I know um, we met because we spoke at the uh, Disrupt HR event, and so you certainly have sort of transitioned into a different market and how to really focus in on help people. Um, I kind of find it really fascinating that, you know, people were asking you to come in to help them kind of create content to, to help them with their companies, and that seems like a, a nice bridge for you in, into there. Um, I think I, I looked when I saw that your primary mission of your company is to help entrepreneurs and companies find their story and teach them how to tell it, which you, you started kind of getting into here at the at the end of, of your introduction. Um, maybe can you talk about maybe the importance of a company's story and how that kind of plays into their success? Oh, absolutely. You know, knowing your story and being able to tell it authentically with the right visuals is absolutely critical to the success of an organization. And the reason is because your story is a way to let your employees and your customers clearly understand what your values are, where you came from, the challenges that you've been through, what you had to overcome to, to reach your current success. And what that can lead to is having a more focused and aligned organization that is is more capable of reaching both you know short and long term goals, but they also serve as um, a guide for how we do things. So the way our brain works is when we hear a story, we we love stories. The brain loves stories. I talked about that a little bit in my my presentation. We're uh, our brains are wired. That's how the cavemen connected, and so. When we hear a story, we're like 22% more likely to remember something during the story over something that we just get in data and facts. And they're also a wonderful container to be able to share where we are in the moment. So how did we get here, where we're going? And so what I see happen a lot is people kind of get stuck on their stories. It happens to individuals, it happens to companies, where they don't know how to get out of their current story. They've outgrown their current story. And so what they need to do is kind of go back in and reevaluate how did we get where we are today from where we were. And I think the really big piece about stories is that it allows us to create an emotional connection with our, our, our employees and with our customers. And it actually, when, when we hear a story that has an emotional connection in it, the brain releases uh, a thorough chemical, oxytocin, and that allows us to be more trusting, more empathetic, and, and more open to others, which is a really good thing when you're thinking about wanting to build and develop a team. So it's, you know, basically they're an easy way to package a lot of information and easy to tell and easy to remember. So then how does the uh, that you take that ability, a company is able to find the right story, maybe it's evolved from a story like you mentioned or create a new one if they don't, really have one to kind of put in place and how does that then begin to maybe maybe transform some of their business or bring about you know change in their business have you seen examples of that mm-hmm. yeah well you know you stories have the power to transform a business because you're using a narrative narrative um, and that narrative focuses on what you value the problem that you solve and, and how you achieve success So that foundation becomes the foundation. I mean, that narrative becomes the foundation of your culture. And so um, most of your stories are based on the simple format of the hero's journey where there's a situation, um, 
something, you know, is going on and there's an exciting uh, incident or conflict that creates a reason to make a change. And as a result of the journey, there is a transformation. So a very easy one that a lot of people relate to is, is Luke Skywalker, who's a um, restless farm boy. He lives with his aunt and uncle, and their village is raided, and his aunt and uncle are killed. And he is then forced out to go onto a journey, um, and as he embarks on his journey, he meets a guide, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who uh, provides him with his mystical knowledge of the Force, and off he goes through a series of adventures. Um, he has some victories, some losses, and um, at the end, in the resolution, he is transformed. He is a different person. So that's how stories work. And by having a good story that you're, that for your company, people understand and have an emotional connection to where your company's been, how you got where you are. And it also has a lot of impetus for where you're going in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if they maybe think about... Um you know, my company's story would one of ours could be you know that we're we're a virtual organization and we've found success by being virtual, kind of going from a traditional brick and mortar company and in, in, into a virtual model. So, is that the kinds of things that you think you know from a you know a very specific standpoint that you know companies kind of looking at what they have done specifically and then trying to develop a story around that and how that might drive success if that client ultimately chooses them to you know purchase their products or services is that sort of what you're asking them to kind of look at yeah because that's what happens is that you know, there's a reason that the company is is seeking your services because they need a ch- they, they need some kind of a change. Something has happened, so they set out on a journey, and they need a guide, which you know could be your company that can give them a plan, which can call them to action. And so, if they follow your plan, uh, they will be they will be able to do X, which would hopefully, in this case, be success and then be transformed by the experience. And if they don't, then, you know, they are heading towards failure. So that's the power of a story. And, you know, just going to go back a little bit about what you're talking about, um, why is it important to have your story. I want to go back to the importance of a story to your employees. Because when they understand your story and it resonates with them, it leads to more meaningful engagement in their work. And it can lead to better performance for them. And it also can be a great hedge for you retaining top talent. So stories build trust. They create emotional connections and they're memorable. So people will associate you or your product with the problem you solve. And even if they don't need your product, they'll remember your story and they may refer you to someone else. So... Stories can change what people think about your company. It can change perceptions. And so when I'm working with people, the first thing I always do is look at the origins. You know, where did they start? What was the problem they solved? And then what was the journey that they took to get them where they are today? And that's where they can share the challenges and how they've overcome them and how they discover their solution. And, Chris, I'll tell you honestly, for me, this is where the magic is because this is that that aha moment. Um, it gives that place for the in, you know the listener to create the emotional connection 
But when you're working with somebody and you realize that moment that this is their story, this is the thread that has been consistent throughout their entire purpose and their journey, um, you just you just know it. There's this moment of aha and authenticity that's very, very powerful. Well, it sounds like, you know, anytime you can kind of really focus in on a message, anytime you can articulate something in a great way, and, and as you, you kind of mentioned before, telling it in a great, you know, format like a story where there's a, you know, a beginning, middle, and end, maybe some dramas, maybe some mm-hmm. something that people can uh, relate to, uh, kind of using your, your, your Skywalker story there. Um, you know, those are all just kind of great pieces of being a wonderful storyteller. It takes practice. I mean, it's, it's well, some people they're born, I'm not born with it, but they've had great role models. But I mean, it, for a lot of people, it takes them a lot of practice, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've been telling stories actually my whole life. And that's what led me to, to want to be in journalism. But, uh, yeah, and I'm constantly learning new ways to tell stories. And because stories are being used in all facets of business, whether it's, you know, for marketing or even for, you know, in interviews, you know, stories are being used a lot in that. You do. It's, it's a constant up of your game. And it's 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 pretty magical stuff, to be honest with you. Um when you understand your story and, and how stories just shape every part of our lives. And uh, you can practice or um, just knowing that very basic setup, you know, what's the context that we have here? Um, what was the conflict? Because no story is, you know, interesting. There's that, not that emotional connection without the conflict. You I mean, think about a story of everything was happy all the way through would it keep you engaged so the conflict is where the human um, engagement happens it's like oh yeah i was there once i know how you feel or ooh, are they going to get out of that situation how did they do it i i want to know so that's what draws us in and then there's a resolution and the hero has been transformed because of the experience that they've gone through right absolutely and and for those people that can practice it and develop it, they can really leverage it in, you know, most like mo- uh, most commonly business, but certainly in other facets of your life where it's important to communicate things to people um, that you care about or that you need to influence or educate or whatever it may be. Um, well, absolutely. I'm speaking... mm-hmm. oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, and, and that's actually what 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 I do because I know that storytelling doesn't come naturally for everyone. And it's just such a, a joy to work with people and see them start taking ownership of their story when they realize that there's, you know, there's a, a flow to how to tell their story and what's important. And uh, a lot of people have just gold sitting there, you know, kind of just uh, – what, this is what kind of really led me into doing this work is, is interviewing so many people that just didn't realize the gold that they were sitting on in their story. And by asking them a series of questions and then being able to tie it all together, their goodness got out into the world. Um, their product, their service, um, their efforts towards a nonprofit in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise and the world wouldn't have benefited from it, you know? So, uh, yes, it does take practice, but there are a lot of people out there that, that can help you define your story and then teach you how to tell it, which does take practice, 
and then deliver it with absolute brilliance. Because once you own your story, you can deliver it with absolute brilliance. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, um, really being able to do that is, is super, super important. And, uh, you know, you did a really good job of, of delivering uh, your story and your content at the Disrupt HR event. And in case anyone who's listening doesn't know what that is, that's a really cool event where generally HR-related people, but, you know, there's a good mix of uh, in the crowd, come together and hear a um, set of speakers. I think maybe we had 20 speakers, but... Um, we're, we're essentially tasked with giving a five-minute speech, and the slides change like every 15 seconds. And it's you know for the speakers is a little nerve-wracking because um, yeah. we're taking. And for me, I took a 90-minute speech and distilled it down into five minutes, and had to yeah, and, and gave brilliant. it. So, h- how did you do? How did you feel about you know? Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you talked about and how you felt kind of doing it in that context of being able to tell that story in such a you know, abridged version and such a, in such a kind of a cool and d- different way to present in that kind of different forum. Yeah, I would agree with you. It was nerve wracking. Uh, you know, those slides advancing every 15 seconds automatically and, um, you know, keeping up with that. Yeah. Well, you know, the process that I went through, uh, was really, was, was taking a much bigger piece. My topic was on story listening and people are using stories, like I say, in, in all aspects of business. And so if you can educate yourself about what makes a good story and ask yourself some questions about why is somebody telling you a particular story, it, you know, we're, we're, since we're so predisposed to, you know, wanting to hear stories, it just allows us to be a more thoughtful listener and especially in the hiring process, to look for maybe some potentially red flags and stories. So for me, I always begin with the end in mind. What did I want people to walk away with in that five minutes? And I wanted them to take away some skills as far as, um, you know, what to look for, um, you know, how we are marvelously built to be wonderful story listeners. We have two ears and one mouth. And, you know, we tell our stories with our mouth. We listen to the story that's being told with one ear, and we use the other ear to, to listen to the metadata, what's not being said, how a story is being told. And it's amazing when you are training yourself to listen for pacing or, um, you know, that, or, you know, is somebody excited or is um, their body language appropriate? How do they talk about other people? All of those things wrap into your being able to be an effective story listener. And then there's some other, um, there were some other, uh, based on the hero's journey, information I gave. So that's, you know, basically how I took and constructed that is, you know, begin with the end in mind, what did I want people to walk away with, and then, you know, come back from there. And in five minutes, um, you got you to gotta cover a lot of ground pretty quick. Yeah, all without not, uh, you know, talking too fast and remembering to connect with the audience. And it's a really fun format. I think it kind of, I know for me, I, we, I think just today, maybe today or yesterday, I got the copy of the video of, of it. And I went back and watched myself, which is it's always painful to watch yourself on, on camera sometimes. But, you know, kind of noticing it for me, distilling it down to five minutes really highlighted what I was doing well and what I was not doing well, uh, as far as the speaker goes. So, um, it, which maybe in an hour presentation, an hour and a half, you might not get as much, right? You can kind of hide around some things and tap dance and slow down or whatever. But uh, for, for me, it kind of really showed me where I was, you know, really strong and really weak. Yeah, 
And I don't know. I don't know if you got your video yet or not, but um, it was no, kind, I of, did. kind of interesting. And actually, you know, it's really interesting, and you're making a great point because today we are so bombarded with messages. We need to be able to convey our message very quickly, and that's the beauty of a story—a well-told story that you can get in and bring in a lot of different elements where people are, you know, being bombarded by so many things and, and you know, too much text. And, and so when you can tell your story, so the same thing happened with me is that because those slides are advancing or 15 seconds, um, there is a tendency to feel like you need to rush. And, um, and then when I got my, my video back, I looked at some of those things, too. So you're not home, Chris. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's just something that, you know, what we have to learn about is when you learn to tell your story, um, delivery is a huge piece of that. And it's practice, practice, practice. Practice until you own it. And um, there's a lot of different, you know, things that you can do to take your story and you know, commit it to your soul authentically, you know, where it comes from, you know, your, your center, and the pacing, the delivery, the connection with the audience, all of those things all come into it, and um, doing it in five minutes. Well, you know, we're just we're just about out of time here. I want to make sure we ask our uh, important question, and that is, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about you, about your services, maybe having you come in and help their company with their story messaging? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, you can find um, me on my website at uh, visualbridgecommunication.com or on Facebook, uh, which is Facebook uh, forward slash visualbridgecommunication. Um, Twitter at ValBrown08 or LinkedIn uh, at ValBrown Communications. And there's some good free goodies on my uh, on my website to help you get prepared for your on-camera appearances. So I'd love for you to have a chance to um, download, download those and use them to improve your, your presentations. Well, fantastic. Uh, Val, thank you so much for, uh, you know, joining us today and kind of walking us through what you do. And hopefully people can uh, check you out and uh, maybe even have you come in and work with them. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. Well, it was my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll bring in our second guest, uh, Paul Claxton. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. 
Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. If uh, you're just joining me, we uh, had Val Brown on. She did uh, kind of talking about storytelling, and hopefully you can check that out if you missed it. But let's go ahead and get on to our next guest, uh, which will be Paul Claxon. He's the CEO and founder of Reciprocity ROI LLC. Um, and don't forget, uh, you can submit your questions via Twitter at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag Talent Talk, and we'll try to feed them into Paul here. Um, you can also go to TalentTalkRadio.com and hear past shows, and of course, you can find us on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, uh, we're everywhere. So hopefully you can interact with, interact with us there. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, but let's go ahead and get to my last guest here today. Paul, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and of course, let us know all about uh, Reciprocity, ROI, and what you guys are up to over there. Sure, sure. So uh, a little bit about um, myself. I, I was a U.S. Marine for, for 10 years. Um, I joined the Marines when I was 18, uh, spent spent a, a number of um, tours in Iraq, four tours in Iraq, starting with the invasion of 2003, uh, where I was a combat operations manager, and ending with my last tour in 2009. I mentioned that because I got my first experience in technology and sales and marketing uh, technology where I was actually in charge of a, a network operations center uh, where we tracked combat operations and temple of enemy components and assets on the ground. And then on the sales side where I started recruiting uh, my experience in sales at a recruiting office in uh, Minneapolis. So I've done everything from sales, marketing, staffing, project management, uh, to now entrepreneurship, where I am the CEO and founder of Reciprocity ROI. We're a tech firm doing mobile application, app development, web development, digital product strategy, um, any any kind of uh, software sales and marketing. So that um, so you're kind of based really then on the the sales based uh, area. Um, which is great because yep. a lot of times we talk here a lot about HR. We talk a lot about senior management. So you kind of can bring us in some some knowledge around sales. But you offer different specialties within your company. Um, you know, what is it that maybe for you as the CEO and founder that you kind of feel like you're most passionate about? Um, you know, I'm definitely most passionate about working with with tech companies to to help them make money, um, help them. Um, achieve success in ways that they they never thought possible. So I know that's kind of a, a generalized statement, um, but you know I think you know as the the old thing goes, there, there's more more than one way to skin a cat. Um, so essentially, you know there's more than one way to run your business. So it's getting them to think outside the box. You know what if we did things this way? Um, their typical response might be, well, you know we don't do that. You know, my response would be, well, someone does. So, in essence, you know, why why not, um, you know, take an opportunity to 
broaden or expand your capabilities to the market and uh, make yourselves more valuable or provide more value to potential prospects and clients, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think so. Um, so kind of just bringing in that different value, and uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it does make sense. So um, I know one of the mottos that you use for your company is great business cannot happen without great relationships. Can you talk a little bit about that, maybe the importance that you kind of place on relationships with companies that – Especially if they're trying to help you foster stronger feeling or growth of achievement and, you know, for th- companies that might partner with you. Yeah, uh, you know, in business, there's thousands of exchanges, I think, you know, that happen on a daily basis. Typically, you know, through these exchanges, um, you know, there's usually four entities involved. Um, I like to say the customer, the vendor, the organization, the employee, or the staff member. So you have all these different exchanges that are taking place, thousands of exchanges on a day-to-day basis, right? These could be communicative exchanges. They could be data exchanges between software systems with uh, different users on each end of the system. They could be uh, financial transaction exchanges, right? So it's focusing on the quality of these exchanges. And there's different levels where they happen. I call them micro and macro exchanges. So like a macro exchange might be, you know, different departments collaborating or board meetings with with C-level staff, whereas micro exchanges might be, um, you know, employee-to-employee exchanges or um, perhaps an employee engaging with a a customer. So it's really focusing on the processes that exist. And a company, particular, uh, particularly larger companies, where employees might begin to feel siloed or stifled, and it's helping them work through these situations that you know all, all businesses experience um, and what they might find difficult to accomplish. It's helping them work um, through those things so that we can avoid help companies avoid things like um, employee attrition, uh, customer turnover, uh, things like that, which has a direct bottom line impact on a company's ability to um, achieve success and um, experience revenue growth. And like I said, you know, that kind of goes back to the core, like you mentioned at the beginning, the core of what we are, which is <clears throat> sales lifecycle management, specifically in the technology industry. Right. So as you're kind of focusing on technology, why, why what kind of got you to really focus in on that particular area? Well, it's it's like I, um, you know, like I kind of mentioned before, uh, my experience in running a network operations center, um, I found that you know, okay, that's that's kind of my passion. So, um, you know, working with the best and brightest and innovative technologies and um, learning about new things, um, I think is what really attracted me to the technology industry. Um, you know. Th- the technology industry is ever-changing, so there's always something new happening, right? And, and I think that's what really excited me. And uh, upon leaving the Marine Corps, you know, I, I got into uh, technology sales um, and different variations, whether it was selling staffing services in the technology industry or um, selling software services. I've sold, you know, uh, uh, SaaS systems, software service systems. Um, so any kind of sales in the technology industry is kind of how I got my, my start in corporate. 
and then from there, you know, I've done other things such as project management, and I've, I've really enjoyed the ride along the way. So, you know, pulling all that to, together in culmination um, essentially is what my company is. It essentially um, encompasses all of my experience. All of the solutions that we offer is really kind of all the areas that I've worked in throughout my career. So I have cool. a deep um, passion for technology. Well, I'm sure that your leadership and drive is something that, you know, was only enhanced by your time in the Marine Corps. Um, yep. So, you know, if you're working with a company that just doesn't seem to be moving or maybe grasping what you're trying to get them to do, and, you yeah. know, sometimes people hit roadblocks and they just say forget it, they move on to the next one. I mean, do you have that? Do you guys just kind of move on or do you drop and make them give you 20? Or, you know, how, how do you guys get past <laughs> some of that? Uh, well, um I, I would say, you know, I, I have um, an ability, I think, to, to empathize with the customer, and that's that's really what I think it all boils down to. You know, I, I think, you know, taking the approach of, you know, let's just move on to the next one is it's kind of more of a transactional um, approach. And like I said, great business doesn't happen without great relationships. So you really have to focus on how you're interacting with people and, um, really make it about them and not you, right? So, you know, that can, I have a, you know, an approach that I take and I call it the three E's of leadership. It's empathizing, enabling, and empowering, right? So you can empathize with the customer by putting their interests first and investing in them first. Um, you get what you give. So by giving first is really the approach that I take. And by doing that, they see that, okay, you know, this is not just, you know, the typical run-of-the-mill um, prospective vendor that's calling me a thousand times a day. This guy is, you know, or this company is really trying to be different. They really do care about our interests. And it's invested um, empathizing over a period of time. This is not just something that you can just reach out to, to a prospective customer and expect them to respond and, and be, you know, all about your services and, and, and feel good about it. it. It takes a period of, you know, 30 to 90 days to get that customer to, to build that trust, to get them to feel comfortable with you, right? So it's doing things like that. And the other E is enabling. So positioning that customer, um, uh, you know, for success. Um, by, you know, either educating them or, you know, helping them, um, you know, think of different ways to, to approach a, a situation. Um, and then thirdly, you know, empowering the customer. I'll quote Zig Ziglar. He said, you know, you can have everything you want in the world if you can help others get what you want. So, again, by getting uh, or by giving, you, you know, you, you get in return, but you have to take that first leap first. So it's, it's really about, you know, uh, servicing uh, the the customer. The customer comes first because without our customers, our our business is nothing. You know that's what makes our business tick. So um, you really have to to look out for their best interest. And if I if I, if I remember correctly, is part of your business also have some? You guys use some staffing as well, and kind of working in that space. Uh, yes, yes. Um, like I said, I have a staff, staffing background. Um, one of the things that I've seen in the, in the technology industry is that employment typically hovers around 
two to three percent unemployment typically hovers around those numbers. Uh, so it's extremely competitive. Um, the quality of talent is um, very hard to find, especially in the startup tech industry where you're competing against. Um, there's a lot of incubator markets popping up. San Diego is one of them. Of course, San Francisco. Uh, Minneapolis is a big one. Austin is a big one. So you have all these little um, seed markets that are popping up throughout the U.S., and it's very tough, especially for startup companies, to, to find the right talent and, and find the, the appropriate talent that's, that's going to fit with their um, business model. And when you spend a lot of time trying to fill a position or trying to look for that right person, uh, you, you end up potentially sacrificing a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of lost opportunity. There's an opportunity cost there, right? The more time you spend, um, the more potential you lose uh, or you stand to lose on um, engaging on future projects. So, um, when there's an opportunity for you to land a project, uh, you don't have time to waste. So um, access to those resources on demand is essential. And that's really where we focus is pro- by providing solution delivery teams to partner with an organization, partner with you, and help you kind of reinforce um, is an on-demand element. And then is we get you to where you need to go, then it's conducting that knowledge transfer so that we can help you kind of find someone that fits your QA model or, or that fits your business model, right? So we've brought our entire team in essentially to work under your umbrella. Um, and then once we have that process in place, then we kind of have it standardized and then we pull from our resources, whether they're through our offshore channel partners or our onshore channel partners, and we provide you the resource and onboarding that you need to help you find the right people. So, well, that's um, really a that's matter of taking, you know, that kind of strategy and really putting it into a real process. Do you, do you guys have a, you know, something formalized that you really use to, to take that, you know, from that idea, from that uh, strategy kind of conversation and putting it into real life, you know, uh, kind of an implemented process for your clients? Yeah, uh, we have different strategies that, that we use, for sure. You know, a lot of it has to do with finding out the why before, you know, finding out the how, you know, information discovery by conducting focus groups and surveys, things of, of that nature. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, through discovery you can learn a lot, and what you thought you needed you, you might not need, you know, so... It's asking the right questions to figure out the why, and then we'll figure out how to get there. But particularly in larger organizations, there's hidden information, you know, um, throughout the organization, um, and, and it's those discovery sessions, those QAs, um, Q&A sessions that, that are um, imperative uh, to, to helping um, an organization road, roadmap to their process. And yeah, again, you know, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, figuring out the why, I hit, that's a great yeah. one. Um, and we definitely, anyone that's in sales knows that, you know, there's so much inf- missing information in any sort of cell you're in. And to the, 
sometimes it's intentional from the client's perspective. Very often it's just completely unintentional. They just don't know what they don't know. They don't realize how many pieces are missing. They don't realize that yep. half their company is doing it one way, the other half is doing it another. And, um, you know, we have the situations where we have, I've had people tell me they would bet their firstborn child that this is exactly how they're being charged. And then I say, great, let's have that bet and then get me a bill. And when I show them in the bill, that they're not being charged that way. They think they're being charged. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating what, you know, the kind of that misinformation, how that can really play into a cell and uh, having to really kind of pull that out. Do you, is that something you guys play with a lot too? You have to kind of really get to the, you know, what's really happening. You bet. You bet. Um, a, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, one of the things was like, I used to be a software project manager. I've managed various um, software implementations. Um, and a lot of times people count on the technology to do the, to do the hard labor, to do the work, to figure, to helping them figure out the why. But, you know, technology is not, it's not a one trick pony. It's, it's not a magic trick, right? You have to, you, the only thing that technology does is it, it facilitates um, what you already want to do, but you have to know what you want to do, and you have to know why you want to do it. You know, um, it's it's almost kind of like you know having a, a car with no highway to get there or no map. You know, so you know a car will get you from point A to point B, but you know, is that really where you want to go? You know, so having the map to get there, knowing the why is, is very, is very, uh, you know, important. Um, because a lot of companies will purchase, you know, I'll, I'll give Salesforce as an example. It's, it's a very expensive product. It's a great product, but a lot of companies might purchase a system like that and they don't know why they're doing it. Or, you know, there might be dissension between different departments that think, well, we, we don't need it. You know, this department thinks we don't need it, but, well, C-level management feels that we need it, so we're just going to per- purchase it anyways. And uh, you, the accounting department or the sales department, you just have to deal with it. You know, and that's the kind of things that create dissension and, um, um, you know, separation within within a company. Um, and when you don't have full user adoption, it's, it's very tough to get things um, accomplished. You, you have people that are kind of one foot in, one foot out the door. So developing that communication strategy, your, your um, communication strategy, turning those things in the process um, is really big because, you know, people aren't going anywhere, but, you know, people are going to be people. But technology is always changing, you know, but you have to know how to deal with people because people – you know, by primitive, primitively speaking, people have been the same for centuries, but technology has not. So you have to learn how to get people to adopt the technology and use it in a way that, um, you know, that enables the company to move mm-hmm. forward. Well, it's great advice, and I think uh, it's something that people maybe don't spend enough time with or get their strategy together enough, and they wonder why their sales aren't. You know where they want them to be, or why their salespeople aren't selling as much as they want them to be, and it's, it's a it's a great point to really think about those things. Um, yeah. It sounds like you know you're a smart guy, so I'm wondering, uh, you know, is there a book that maybe you read recently or you're reading right now that you might uh, share with us? 
Um, good question. You know, I used to read a lot of books, but uh, lately these days, I, I kind of feel like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all over the place. So, you know, time is, um, you know, I'm trying to put 25 hours into a 24-hour day. So um, I listen. Um, you know, I, I've had mentors um, over the years, but from time to time, you know, you find that you outgrow your mentors. So I, I listen to industry leaders, you know, whether it's on podcasts like this or YouTube. And I just listen to them throughout the day. I pick up ideas and I put them into my own, um, you know, industry leaders such as Damon John, Grant Cardone, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Steve Jobs. Um, and I can, and I found that I can synthesize much more information like that at a faster rate. Um, what I've, I've come to find out is that, you know, nothing can replace the value of face to face interaction communication, right? So it's almost like by listening to them, I'm, having a conversation with them directly, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, but reading is much more like a learned human trait. It's not something that comes natural to us. So it's much easier to synthesize information and process it and digest it when you're actually listening to someone. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, the last book I read uh, was Pitch Anything by Oren Klaff. Well, certainly listening or physically reading in my in my mind it's the same thing. It's, you know, sort of what books are you interacting with? So you mentioned some yep. great ones and I know a lot of people really enjoy listening. Uh, sort of we've kind of reverted back to as you mentioned kind of what was more, a more natural style of the, you know to, li- to listen to someone tell their story and um as yep. opposed to read. It seems like a lot of people are really really moving to that. So um, you know, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more and we want to work with uh, with reciprocity ROI? Sure. Uh, the best way, there's four ways to get a hold of us. Uh, you can go to our website, www.reciprocityroi.com. Go to the tab that says free consultation and make your inquiry. You can call our toll-free number at 888-572-7710. You can email us at info180 at reciprocity dash roi.com and lastly the fourth way um, I, I used to work for a startup company that had 200% growth year over year they're now an industry leader and one of the reasons that I think attributes to their continued success I mean it's just outstanding what they've done is their CEO is readily accessible to all of their customers and he made that known to the entire company so that being said I am accessible seven days a week by calling or texting me on my cell at 763-923-4265. Well, Paul, I really appreciate you being on the show today. You've uh, given us a lot to talk about, and I kind of appreciate we're kind of a little different angle for us uh, here today and kind of talking a little bit more on the, the sales kind of based things. So, um, you know, really appreciate you being part of the show, and hopefully we can have you come back at some point and uh, tell us yeah. uh, what you're up to. For sure. All right, next week, uh, my guest will include uh, Angela Gable-Wong, SVP of HR for Rubio's Restaurants, and then we'll have uh, Craig Bryan, the co-founder and CEO of We Are Mammoth. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 